Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Four Checking TV. I'm your host, Doug Lackey, and alongside me are my co-hosts, Scotty Porterfield and Peyton Trollinger. And tonight we are joined by special guest, Danny Shirey of the Pens Blog. Danny, how are we doing, buddy? I'm doing great, and I'm uh, excited to talk some pens with you guys. Awesome, man. That's good to hear. So basically, we're going to do a little free agency recap before we get into the main thing I want to discuss. Um, Dominic Simone's back, which um, for most people is awesome. And if you're in that vocal minority where you're like really angry about it, I'm sorry. But, you know, that, that's something we were talking about before we started recording. It's exciting that he's back just simply because you know he can slot in with Sid. And even though he may not score a ton of goals, he's so vital to the process of generating offense and generating scoring chances and keeping that line afloat in terms of just offensive impact. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, over the past two seasons, Simone has been very deserving of, you know, a lineup spot really anywhere. But what we have seen in the past is that, you know, even though Simone's not burying a ton of these chances that we see him get and get so frustrated that he's not putting in the back of the net, but he's a very cerebral player. And we've seen that, you know, those kinds of players typically gel and, and do well alongside Crosby and it's it's nobody sitting here saying that Simone's going to be a, a 20 goal scorer on Crosby's wing he might not even be a 10 goal scorer but it's all about the process and you know making sure that those underlying results are there and that you're generating those chances and, and you know limiting them in your own end and you know if, if the process is there the results are ultimately going to come eventually I know that that doesn't you know uh, sit well with a bunch of people especially you know when you're looking at six game playoff sample sizes and wondering why Gensel only scored one goal in six games but you know the reality is that those things are all gonna average out you know over the long term exactly you know and I think that Simone's one of those players that you know he's the perfect third wheel for Sidney Crosby and whoever that left winger may be whether it be you know Jake Gensel or uh, Jason Zucker or anyone else because Simone's going to get them the puck. He's going to have really good zone entries. He's going to be able to help them in the offensive zone. And it's really, honestly, it's, it just makes it click. Like I can't, I can't really think of more things to say about it other than like Simone simply just clicks with Sidney Crosby, regardless of what way people spend it. Yeah, exactly. And and the other funny thing with it is, too, is that if he's not playing alongside Crosby, I don't necessarily know that, you know, there's a, another spot down the lineup for him where I could sit him, see him, you know, being on that third line playing wing with Carter. I'm not necessarily sure that that's something that would work out. And, you know, like I said, you know, when I first started talking about him, he hasn't been great these past two seasons. And one of those seasons was with Pittsburgh. So, you know, he he might just be, you know, past the point where he can be super effective. But but, you know, it's nice to know that you've still got that option of putting him with Crosby in the back of your pocket. Yeah. And speaking of other people who looked respectable alongside Sidney Crosby in a small sample size, Evan Rodriguez re-signed by the Penguins. Um, One-year deal. I mean, pretty good filler guy. Obviously can play center. I think that that's something that they're probably going to have to look at with Malkin being out to start the year and then losing Freddie Gaudreau in free agency. So I think that Rodriguez is just a really solid insurance policy for any type of injury that may pop up beyond Evgeny Malkin's uh, knee rehab. Yeah, Rodriguez is really kind of uh, that that Swiss Army knife kind of player that a lot of baseball fanatics like to use about the the middle infielder that can play outfield as well. But, you know, I know a lot of Penguins fans have been, you know, kind of disappointed with Rodriguez. He's not really flashy and he's, he's not never going to do anything crazy. And a lot of the time, if, if you're not doing those things, the casual fans might try to 
try to turn on you or, or whatever it may be. But the reality is that he's, he's a guy that's not going to sink you at either end of the ice. And, you know, that's what you're really looking for in those depth pieces and those guys that are going to fill in in different areas of your lineup when those injuries come up. And that's really important because, you know, they're getting them at, you know, a pretty low cap hit. It's a really low risk deal. And like you said, he can play all three forward positions. So it's, it's not really a matter of, you know, Rodriguez is a guy that, you know, is going to be slotting in in the top six all the time. But as we saw last year, we know he can do that and he's not going to really have that much of a negative impact when he's there. Exactly. You know, and I think now, especially since they lost Freddie Goudreau, whenever everything shakes, shakes out and the roster is fully like functioning, whenever Malkin is healthy, he's the perfect 13th forward to have, because just like you said, he can slot in anywhere. Um, you know, he can play in the top six. I know another thing we worry about is like who can play with Aston Reese and Teddy Bluger. He looked really good during that time frame that he had to play with Aston Reese and Teddy Bluger last year as well. And I think that, you know, I think that he's just a really underrated, important piece to this roster in terms of, you know, where he fits and what they can get out of him on a consistent basis. Yeah, most definitely. And, and you know, like I already said, he's, he's not going to light the world on fire, but it, it's extremely important, especially as the year goes on. And, and another thing that, you know, I haven't seen a lot of people talking about, but the NHL hasn't played an 82 game schedule here in a couple of years now. So mm-hmm. how, what kind of effects is that going to have on the players and teams going down the stretch and into the playoffs? So guys like Rodriguez that you can slot anywhere and, and you know, he's not going to kill you. Those guys are super important. Exactly. Now, we're going to move on to the player that I'm most curious about because this is a player who, you know, had a great start to his career in Danton Heinen, got moved to Anaheim, and then kind of everything just kind of fell off a cliff for him. Obviously, he's still young. Um, he's 26 years old. He's, he, had, he has potential. I mean, he had 47 points in the 17-18 season with the Bruins. Um, there were times where he was getting time with Bergeron. And part of me wonders, is he going to have a bigger part of this entire like season and big picture than what people think he might? I do think so. And I'm actually pretty excited about Heinen. I know he hasn't been all that great the past couple seasons. Um, but after they signed him, I spent some time going through some film and, and just watching some of his shifts over the past couple seasons. And especially the some of the goals that he scored, he's a, an incredibly smart player. Like he's not he's not super fast and he, he's not going to you know dangle you and walk into the zone and, and make a crazy move. But he's really good with the puck in tight spaces and he can get the puck off his stick really quickly. And another thing that I saw is that he's a decent producer at 5v5 with the, with the rate at which he scores goals and especially his primary assist rates. And I actually tweeted this out uh, when they signed him, but I would not be surprised at all if Heinen ends up outscoring McGinn at 5v5 this season. Yeah, and that's, you know, the 5v5 scoring piece is huge because that's exactly what they're going to need in somebody who can potentially slot in on the third line with Carter, because, you know, that's, that's basically what, what you need out of a third liner. Um, he's, he's not going to get power play time. I would suspect maybe just second power play time, if anything. So just let him run wild at five V five. I, I really like this signing. I'm really excited for him. And I think that, you know, once we get deeper into this, like talking about potential line combinations and things of that nature, like we're going to talk later in the episode, I really like the idea of him as a third line piece with Jeff Carter and whoever the right winger, whoever the third wheel of that line may be. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about him, too. And if, if he doesn't pan out, it's not the end of the world. You know, it's another low risk deal. The only problem that that you know comes from that is that you know you've got some pretty big offensive issues at least in your in your bottom six there because if if he falters 
you know, I'm, I'm not exactly relying on Bluger and Aston Reese to put up a ton of points this year or drive a ton of offense. I think if Rodriguez ends up in that spot, you know, that he might be able to spark a little bit of more or, or spark, you know, goal scoring at a little bit more frequent rate than we saw when Tanev was there. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about Heinen. Uh, I think he could, you know, mesh really well on that third line. And I think they might be able to squeeze a lot more value out of him than what they're going to be paying him. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, um, the last player that we're going to talk about is probably the biggest biggest signing of last week for the Penguins, and it's Brock McGinn. Um, obviously, had a pretty good career in Carolina, had some big playoff moments, had that double OT winner against the Capitals a few years back. Um, where do you see him slotting in? Because, you know, I immediately think – just throw him with Bluger and Aston Reese, but then like there's part of me that's like, okay, maybe he might be a third liner or maybe, maybe more. I'm not really sure what to think of where his place is on this team yet, but I really, really like the player. So. Yeah. So when they, when they first signed him, I saw a lot of people on Twitter that were like, Oh, there's the, the Tanev replacement. And, you know, I, I don't really see him as a Tanev replacement. I think he, he's got the potential to offer a little bit more offensively than Tanev does. Um, but like Hannah, like Heinen, I went back and watched some of McGinn's tape and something I noticed from last season, which was far and away the best season of his career. A lot of the goals he scored were right around the front of the net. They were rebound goals or tap in goals. And, you know, as we saw last season, the Penguins kind of struggled getting to the front of the net and, and scoring those kind of dirty goals. Now they were able to outshoot those those issues but you know McGinn's going to be bringing something like Carter does where they're going to be having a couple more guys that aren't afraid to get their noses dirty and get to the front of the net for those tap in and rebound goals interesting I like that a lot um wow I wasn't expecting that like I haven't looked that deep into it because I haven't had a ton of time but uh now that's with that exciting be- with that being said though Last season was a huge outlier for for him specifically. You know, the, the two seasons prior to that, there was nothing, you know, that really stood out that was, you know, all like, oh, that's a guy I, I got to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I will say, and, and a lot of Carolina people can back this up, but he's he's relentless on the forecheck and, and he brings it every shift 110%. So he is similar to Tanev in that regard. Um, but you know, I, I see him slotting in on that third line right now. I've got him there with, with Carter and Heinen. Um, I know last year with Carolina, he was kind of playing third wheel with either uh, Jordan Stahl or, or Sebastian Ajo. So Carolina had him up in that top six. I don't know that he'd necessarily be a good fit uh, in the Penguins' top six as they're currently constructed. Um, but he's definitely a guy that, you know, can, can offer something to that third line. Nice. That's that's actually really interesting. I think that, you know, having Carter him with Carter would be interesting because similar to what we saw with Jeff Carter when he came into Pittsburgh, it was a top it was a basically a third line player playing in a situation where he had to be in a top six role in Los Angeles. And he just went to that third line role and thrived. Um, I think Brock McGinn has a lot more to give offensively. And he could probably be that perfect complementary depth piece on a third line. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you right there. And, you know, his, his cap hits, nothing egregious. And, and even if you do want to say, you know, the, the intangibles that he's bringing or whatever make up for whatever on ice value isn't there. So, you know, I don't really have any qualms with his contract and, you know, even if his results don't stay on par with what they were last season, I think he's going to be a nice piece for the bottom six. Nice. Nice. All right. So moving forward, um, we're going to talk about Jason Zucker and we're going to get everybody involved here. We're going to just talk about, you know, Danny just put released an article yesterday about how Jason Zucker should play with Sidney Crosby to maximize his value. And I agree. You, you guys both know that this is something I've been pushing for ever since, they went back into the bubble. And um, I think that, you know, if you put Zucker with Sid, 
that would be huge, just not from a from Jason Zucker's own perspective, but like it makes the lineup so much more deeper on paper, knowing that you can get Gensel back with Malkin when when everybody's fully healthy, you can get Gensel back with Malkin. And you know, that was a connection that really worked. Um that like Jake was having the best year of his career playing with Malkin before he had the shoulder surgery. And, you know, I mean, going into that game against Ottawa where he took that hit from Thomas Shabbat in the corner, like that he just got named to the all-star game. Who knows what numbers he could have put up if he were, he, if he were fully healthy. But I think that Gensel with Malkin is something that I want to see again, just simply because, you know, it makes the lineup deeper and it also will probably help Malkin along at this stage in his career, especially coming off the knee injury. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, you know, I, I had a couple of people that when I posted that article, they were like, oh, you, you're just a Zucker fanboy and, and you just want him to play with Crosby. And I'm like, well, yes, I am a Zucker fanboy and I would like him to play with Crosby. But, you know, my my whole rationale behind this is, is posturing the Penguins to get the most out of what they have right now. So we know based off of last season that Zucker and Malkin don't have any chemistry together. They visibly didn't have chemistry together. They got absolutely dominated at 5v5 when they were on the ice together. We know they don't work together. So if they are not going to be playing together, your options are to put Zucker on the third line or the first line. And I'm not really all that interested in paying $5.5 million for a guy that's going to play on your second power play not kill penalties and play on your third line. And the other reason being is that he's the perfect kind of player to play with Crosby. When they acquired him, I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is the guy they've been waiting for Crosby forever. You know, he's, he's hard on the four check. He's good in transition, not because he's, you know, overly crafty or, or dynamic, but he's really good with those give and go passes off the rush. And as soon as he gets rid of the puck, he goes straight to the front of the net or the back door. And Crosby loves those kinds of players. And, you know, the, in the small time of, that they spent together in the 2019-20 season. The results were really, really good when you account for the Jack Johnson factor. And I definitely think that there's more between those two that the Penguins haven't really seen yet. Yeah, I agree. One thing that, uh, you know, Dougie and I, we talked about this earlier. I have no problem with uh, Jason Zucker playing with Sidney Crosby. You know, like you said earlier, Danny, his best hockey in Pittsburgh was whenever he was playing with Sid. I mean, those two were just – you know, peanut butter and jelly, essentially, how well they were clicking together. The only problem with this is I just can't see Sid parting ways with Jake Gensel. I don't, I don't see that happening. I mean, we've, our, one thing that we've always seen with Sid is, like, you know, he's never had that true winner beside him, maybe with the exception of Chris Kunitz. He's never had, like, an all-star caliber winner by him, by his side at all times. Jake Gensel's always been that guy. And I feel like if you move him down the line with Malkin, like, is it really worth it? Is it really going to make that much of a difference? I'd rather see a line of, uh, of Zucker, Crosby, and Gensel, or maybe just flip-flop, flip-flop the wings, whichever way you want to go about it, as opposed to seeing us throw Dom Simone there again. You know, I get that he's like the analytical darling and everything, but at the same time, it's like you can't play top six minutes and only put up 28 points for your career high. That's not going to cut it for, for me, and it shouldn't cut it for any fan for that matter. I feel like Let's, I feel like if you're going to do this, let's go the, let's keep Gensel with Crosby and do Zucker. And maybe we try and plug someone in else on the top six. Maybe you throw Kappen in there or someone in that, uh, someone of that nature. But I just don't see any way they can possibly separate Gensel from Sid. I feel like those two need to be together because they're playing their best when they're together. Yeah, so the the one caveat to, to the article I wrote was that, you know, all of this hinders or hinges on whether or not one Crosby is willing to, you know, allow Gensel to, to go off of his line or whether or not Mike Sullivan would even do such a thing. But, you know, I'm, I'm totally fine with throwing Zucker on the right wing with Crosby and Gensel and throwing Rust on the left wing with Malkin and Kapanen. And I, I would be all on board with that, especially if, you know, they're not willing to move Gensel down in favor of Zucker. I'm all on board with that. And it's like I said earlier, you know, you have these guys that are interchangeable on the top six. If you want to throw in an Evan Rodriguez, then go for it. If you want to throw in Brock McGinn, obviously we've seen what he can do. Maybe he's a guy that you could potentially – 
throw in that top six, but I just don't see Dom Simone being like that top six option, you know, if you want to put him there. I feel like he'd be a better piece on the Aston Reese and Bluger line potentially. You look at his numbers compared to Tanev and they're pretty similar. So if you want to go that route, I feel like that'd be the best way of doing it. But like I said, I feel like that's the, I feel like that'd be the best way for the Penguins to go about doing that. Now, what I love about this team is just the depth. There's, there's so much depth on this team that I, I feel like isn't accounted for. And whatever Doug said about throwing Sucker up on the first line to make it more depth, that, that got me sold. Like, like Sucker, Crosby, Simone, give Simone another chance on the first line. He does really good with Crosby, like you guys were saying. You know, then you have Gensel and Malkin. You obviously have seen what they did. Um, you know, I really think that if you throw Zucker on the first line, it, it's just going to make this roster so much deep. They're going to put up so much, so many more points, and everyone's going to know what role they need to play, and they're going to execute that role no matter where they're at. There's so many really awesome players on the team, and I know that they can, you know, get their role. So it's like. Rock again, like we were talking about. He's I think he'd be perfect for the third line, like we were talking about. Um, you know, he you know, we know that he gets in those uh in front of the net and he does really good in front of there. Um you know, everyone, like I said, everyone can just play the role. Uh, I feel like Simone, give him another chance with Crosby. I feel like it's, he's gonna pop off again. And I really do Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I think, you know, and I obviously it's we're getting to a time frame where we probably need to stop comparing like from the cup teams or whatever. But like, you know, in the playoffs in 17, you could tell Mike Sullivan was doing anything he could to maximize um, the potential of the team. And I mean, so much to the point that like, Scott Wilson was playing with Malkin, um, which you now the the cup clincher in, in 2017 Hornquist was playing fourth line minutes that night. Yeah, exactly. I mean, plus think of it this way. Jake Gensel had one of the biggest goals of the cup run and he started game one of the Nashville series on the fourth line. Like th- that's the thing. Like there, he need, I want Mike Sullivan to get back to that point where it's like, he doesn't care if how it impacts the player, if it works, make it happen, you know? And in this sense, I think that Zucker Crosby and Simone would work. And obviously, you know, we saw this whenever Sid was out a couple years back, Gensel Malkin rust during that time frame when Sid was out was easily the best line in hockey. They have chemistry. They were incredible together. I think that that's something you need to run again. Um, you know, we're getting to a point now in this so-called window where they need to be doing everything they possibly can to get Sid and Gino another cup. You know, they need, you know, if it, I don't care if like, you know, they need to play, I don't care if Sid has to play the fourth line in, for, or in order for them to win a Stanley Cup. Just do it. Like, if, the, if it comes down to it, do it. Um, obviously, that was a crappy analogy or example, but, like, make make it work. You know, I I think Jason Zucker and Dominic Snow with Sidney Crosby is fantastic. And, you know, the thing with Malkin being out is he's probably going to come back at a point where you're in the stretch run of the season. So you know, you do some experimenting and maybe you fall backwards into something great, you know, who knows? Yeah. And I'm definitely right there with you on, you know, maximizing their, their cup chances, you know, in the immediate future. And I know Penguins fans especially have been spoiled, you know, during the entire Crosby and Malkin era that, you know, Oh, they're the Penguins are going all in for a cup again. The Penguins just, you know, sold the farm to to try and compete this year we've been hearing that every year 
and you know it, it probably loses its luster a little bit but i think it holds more weight now than it ever has you know the the nhl over the past couple seasons has become more and more about skill and speed despite you know all these teams that are especially the rangers going after ryan reed and, and going off after all these tough guys and, I, and i'm not saying that you know some of that kind of stuff doesn't have any any credibility because it does um but you know Malkin's going to be 35 when the season starts. Crosby's going to be 34. Uh, I believe Latang will be 34, 35. You know, these guys are generational players and elite players, but, you know, we cannot expect to go into, you know, a cup run with a 37-year-old with a Crosby and a 38-year-old Malkin. So I really think that they need to do whatever they can right now to, to try and win another cup with this core. And, and I'll tell you, to be completely honest, I know Hextall and Burke are really focused on, you know, replenishing some of that depth in the prospect pool and kind of looking forward. But if there was ever a time to not worry about that, it should be now. I could not care less if the Penguins, you know, if the Penguins go on to win another cup in the Crosby-Malkin era, I'll be happy if, if you know, they suck again for another 10, 15 years that's fine. But I would prefer that over them not winning another cup in the Crosby Malkin era so that they can be, you know, a, a five or six seed perennially in, in the Eastern conference. That's not something that's of, of interest to me, go all out or go home. Yeah. And that's, that's my thing, you know, especially like I I've been of this way of thinking for a while, especially whenever before free agency started, when, whenever everybody was talking about goaltending. You know, if it comes down to it and you could get a goaltender, but you have like a goaltender that's clearly better than Tristan Jari, but you have to give up Polan or Legere, maybe both in the case of it potentially being John Gibson, make it happen. Like, just do it. Because, you know, and the same thing was, I was talking about the same thing whenever, you know, Brandon Saad and Zach Hyman rumors started cycling around the uh, Pittsburgh media market where it's like, I would rather watch Zach Hyman struggle to play hockey in 2026 if it comes down to the Sid and Gino getting another cup. You know, like I would, I can live without Sam Polan or Nathan Legaray if it means they have the goaltender that can get them to where they need to be. Because it's, it's obviously clear they probably make a league semifinal run last season with competent goaltending. That team was that good. You know, it's a shame what happened, but like all they had to do was find a way to crawl their way out of the Islander series. And I still believe Boston would have folded the way they did. And then, you know, things get interesting. So that's, that's what I think, you know, you have to go for broke, man. Like it's not worth, you know, worrying about like five to seven years down the line because we know that we know Sid's going to have the longevity factor of his career we know he's going to be the one who probably outlasts the trio but we don't know how much longer Latang or Malkin have left especially Malkin coming off of this injury we have to see how he looks um I mean I expect him to look better but like the same thing it like you you never know you never truly know so yeah, and, and the other thing to keep in mind, and, and Legary less so than Poulin, but, you know, these are these are not must-have prospects. These are, I think, Penguins fans, you know, have kind of latched onto them because they're mm -hmm. the only names we've really had over the past three, four, five seasons is like, you know, I'm thinking back who were the Penguins' top prospects. The last one I can think of before them is Kapanen, and he's already been traded for Kessel, and then now he's back with the Penguins. So, you know, I – I think Poulin can become an NHLer. I'm not sold on him becoming, you know, a guy that's going to become a, a 20 goal scorer, top six winger. He very well may become that, but that's not what I see him as right now. And as far as Legary, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not convinced he's an NHLer. I know he's got a really good shot, and you know, had that preseason game where he scored two goals in, in like a period or whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, as as they've been trending, you know, over the past season and a half, two seasons, you know, I'm I'm not sold on either one of them being surefire NHLers right now. And that gives you all the more ammunition to move them out to immediately help you. Exactly. You know, and my big thing is, is like they're both going to hold value. Um, 
their junior careers stand for themselves. Um, you know, a team is going to value them highly. So why not try and roll the dice and do something to help the team now, you know? And my big thing with Legary is he reminds me so much of Daniel Sprawl. Like, it's just like, you know, great junior career, great junior numbers, but doesn't have what it takes to be an NHLer at least right away. You know, we saw it took Sprong three or four different teams to d- develop into a somewhat competent NHL forward, you know, and that's something that, especially if you're the Penguins, that's something that you can't really like take stock in a guy that could potentially end up like that. I mean, I know that all prospects can potentially end up like that, but you know, if it comes down to it, if you have the ability to make a trade to make this team better, like exponentially better, you have to part with them if if that's what the cost is. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, if if you put Poulant's ceiling, for instance, let's say his ceiling is a, is a 20-goal scoring top six winner, okay? Mm-hmm. Would you rather have that three, four down, years down the line when Crosby and Malkin are already either gone or, you know, not at that elite level anymore? Or would you rather move them for a piece that's going to immediately impact the team and give you a tangible – value and tangible positive enforcement on that team I know what I'm picking every day of the week exactly exactly now in terms of goaltending I feel like everything's fairly picked over but like is there anyone that like you can at least like like at least just like spitballing is there anyone you could think of that could potentially like be out there like that's like I've been trying to think of this especially ever since Darcy Kemper got traded to Colorado like that was my one thing we had Jesse Marshall on last week and we talked about Darcy Kemper and about how that might potentially happen. And then literally the day after we released the episode, like gone. So. So a couple of days ago, or I think it might've even been yesterday, but I was looking at all of the available unrestricted free agent goalies, every single one of them. At this point, there's only a handful. I think I could count on both my hands how many of them even played in the NHL last year. And none of them are under the age of 30 with the exception of one or two of them. So you're absolutely right that the market has been picked over. But one name that is still there that I am immensely intrigued by, and it it would kind of fit right along with our, you know, just don't worry about it later, figure it out now and make it work now. And that's Tuka Rask. I'm not convinced he's going back to Boston and I know he's 34 years old and I know he might be a little expensive, but there's rumors the Penguins are looking to move Pedersen. And if they can do that, I don't see why you can't sign Rask. I, I'm telling you, man, I, I might just be overthinking it here and, and getting myself too excited, but I, I think they might be able to, uh, to lure Rask because I'm not so sure that Boston is, is interested in bringing him back. Yeah. Now the issue is, is he's having hip surgery and he's out until January. Well, so I did I, not know that. I wonder if he's going to sign like with anyone to start the season at all. You know, part of me wonders if he's going to be kind of like that Mike Fisher type figure where he's just like chilling in free agency until he gets himself revved up and healthy enough and then signs a deal somewhere, you know? And if that's the case, I'm jumping at it because, you know, with the way that the financial structure of the league is right now, Casey DeSmith is probably going to clear waivers. And that is the perfect number three goalie for you. Having DeSmith in the AHL and just running a tandem of Rask and Jari somehow. I did not know Rask was having surgery. So that, that might explain a little more why he hasn't been, uh, been picked up yet. So that's, that's definitely a factor to consider, but you know, if he does end up going into the season still as a free agent to see how, uh, you know, his rehab plays out and the Penguins go into the season with that and and go in with a little bit of flexibility that (laughs) I would be all on board with that. And it's like you said earlier, like you said earlier, I mean, we've talked about players that, uh, we talked about players down in, the, in juniors or in the minors that can be moved like Poulin and Legere. Marcus Pedersen's on the roster right now. And he is, you want to talk about a guy who can have an impact right now on an NHL team. It's that guy. I mean, he's been so good for the Penguins. A lot of, from what I'm hearing from uh, Elliot Friedman, I guess said, said this earlier that a lot of teams like his play and his style. 
I don't see any reason why he couldn't, why you couldn't get a haul for that guy. Cause clearly there is some interest in the league and anyone can use a good size defenseman who can do the things that Pedersen does. So I feel like the Penguins should definitely, you know, take any offers they can on that guy. Cause obviously there's going to be a lot of interest from teams in the league that can need him. Yeah. And, and I'm a bigger Pedersen fan than a, than a lot of Penguins fans are, you know, he, he's not, you know, all that sexy of a player. And oftentimes he's in the corner getting crushed, recovering a dump in, but he's still making that breakout pass. And he's got pretty decent impacts at both ends of the ice. And I think, you know, the, the most important factor here is that he's the one left-handed defenseman that we know plays well with John Marino. Last year when Marino was paired with Matheson, they were just a tire fire together. And I'm, you know, I personally would not be looking to move Pedersen. I'd be doing whatever I can to get Matheson's cap hit off the books. You know, even if they're getting absolutely nothing in return, that is totally fine. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm slightly concerned that the Penguins are planning on going into next season, season with that second pairing as Marino and Matheson. And I think it's got, it's got the potential to be a disaster. <laughs> Matheson's got to go. He's really got to go. He's been here. He's overstayed his welcome for sure. We got to get something. For, like, like, I mean, like, even like you said, even if we can't get anything for him, he, should, he has to go. He's not, he does not fit on this team. And we got to get someone better for Marina because Marina's got to develop. And Matheson's just going to keep shooting his potential down. Yeah, and, and it's not that I so much hate Matheson either because, you know, he provides something that the Penguins don't have anything else of on their blue line, and that's a guy that's going to skate the puck all the way up the ice and try to take it right to the front of the net and score. And he did that, you know, one or two times last season. Um, and, you know, they don't have a ton of goal scoring on that blue line outside of Latang. So, you know, he definitely offers something that they don't have. But at the same time, if you – if you really value John Marino as your, as your second pairing right-handed defenseman, you know that, you know, their results last season were not good together. I don't know how you can go into the season, you know, planning on keeping them together. Yeah. And that's exactly why I value Marcus Pedersen a lot more than the average person, because if he works with John Marino, you need to keep him with John Marino. And, um, I don't think that POJ would work with Marino for the same reason that Matheson doesn't work with Marino. You know, same, same type of player, really smooth skater, has great offensive capabilities, but I still have this feeling that him and the POJ and Marino together would get caved in. I think that the real, like the winning formula is finding a way to ship out Mike Matheson, regardless of what you get in return. I'm not saying that you attach assets to him because at this point, even though we were talking about trading assets to get players to improve the roster, at this point, trading assets to move Matheson out would probably be pretty moronic. But the winning formula has to be Dumoulin, Latang, Pedersen, and Marino, and then POJ, and I'd imagine Chad Ruedel. Um, You know, I think that Ruedel's ready to go. I think that he finally needs to get his run as a consistent NHL top six defenseman. Um, he's been phenomenal in the seventh defenseman role for years. And I think that it's time for him to get his due. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, it's probably been time for the past couple of seasons for Ruedel to really get that spot. And obviously he's been a luxury as their seventh D-man anyways, because we know how banged up the Penguins get year after year after year. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd feel totally comfortable going into the into the season with Joseph and, and Ruedel on that third pairing. I know it's not the most sexy names on that third pairing, and, and you know, they're probably not going to light the world on fire. But with the Penguins situation, they need to maximize the value out of guys like that so that they can have the resources and cap space to upgrade their team when the when the opportunity presents itself. Exactly. You know, and if they did have Matheson off their roster and they, you know, obviously Aston Reese is extended in this scenario, or at least has a contract to start the year that they'll accrue enough cap space at the deadline where they could make a big move for, you know, whether it be forward goalie, whatever they need to upgrade at the deadline. And, you know, 
I I'm confident in Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith to at least have you tread water through the first half of the season where you're in a playoff spot. You're one of the top three teams in the division. You're in striking distance for home ice in the playoffs. Yeah, there, there's no doubt that Jari and, and DeSmith can, like you said, tread water and, and they can definitely get the Penguins to the postseason. But once you're in the postseason, I, I really don't see either of those guys being a backbone and, and guys that you can really be like, all right, you know, we got a wall back there. And, 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 they, and they don't even have to be a wall. But, you know, every time the Islanders were shooting the puck during that series, I was expecting the puck to go in. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Penguins players felt that as well. And that's going to impact how you play the rest of the game all over the ice, not just in the defensive zone. And, you know, obviously, you know, priority number one is, is freeing up some cap space to go get a goalie that, you know, theoretically could, you know, be pretty above average. We've been talking about for a while now, the Penguins just need to get, you know, average goaltending and, and they'll get to where they need to be. And they haven't gotten it in that time. And, you know, obviously goaltending super hard to predict, uh, you know, how goalies are going to perform year to year. Um, so that that's something to keep in mind as well. But if they can get an established guy that, you know, has has shown that he's capable in the postseason, then then they have to jump on it. Yeah, you know, and I can think of an established guy, not really going to say he had phenomenal postseason numbers, but uh, I still like. And I, I, I'm saying this with a major grain of salt, but I still think that this whole thing ends with Flurry somehow ending up back in Pittsburgh. Oh, as great. much as I hate to even say it, you know, I mean, Danny, you know me, you know that I'm a major Matt Murray supporter and that I was on that side of the, the battle whenever everybody was having a civil war on Twitter. But like, man, I just don't see like, I mean, Chicago is going to go down the toilet regardless of how much they add, you know, Seth Jones, whatever. I mean, he's not really, he's, he's an analytically, he's not a great defenseman. Um, and I don't really think that that team's going to be able to keep itself in a playoff spot by the trade deadline. And that makes me wonder if whether or not the stars are going to somehow align, he's going to end up back here. So I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I would certainly love it for, for all the, the feel-good emotion and, and, the, and the stories. I'm not necessarily convinced that, you know, Fleury's performance going forward is going to be anything close to what he was last year. But the other side of the coin is that even though he hasn't been great in those previous seasons, I think it's five of the past six seasons he's expected or he saved more than what was expected of him. And the same can't be said for Tristan Jari right now. So, you know, that's an upgrade. And, and like I said, with Rask earlier, it's, it's not a, a longer term solution, but we're at the point now where throw the longer term solutions out the window, do what you got to do right now to win. And, you know, even, you know, looking forward to the 2022, 20, 23 season, I'm not sure that I'd even want, you know, a 38-year-old flurry on that roster anyway. But, you know, depending on how the start of the season goes with Chicago, and especially if they're looking to, to offload him down the line to a contender, I, I could get on board with it. Yeah, and another, another team I think to watch in terms of goaltending, at least right now, obviously they might make a move before the year starts, is Dallas. They have three NHL-capable goalies on their roster. Um, you know, you have to think that one of Bishop or Huadobin ends up getting moved in some capacity. Um, it just boils down to which one it's going to be and how that's going to go. But that's another one where that would definitely have to be a hockey trade because I, I haven't checked Dallas's cap situation recently, but I don't think that they're in the situation where they can retain salary on a guy. So, you know, that would have to be like a – you know, maybe dangle a Marcus Pedersen or some other piece in order to like move money out to bring money in. I've yeah. seen some reports that they're reading out that Dallas is going to go with the uh, Holtby Ottinger tandem, act tandem actually. So you have two goalies that are getting moved out, Holtby and Hugh Dobin. So you got options there if you really want to. You really want to get in 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 depth with it. So I mean, it's like which one would you rather have at that point? You know. 
would you rather take the chance on Hugh Dobin or would you, I mean, would you get want to go back to Hugh Dobin or would you take the chance on Ben Bishop? Obviously he's not the same goalie that he was, you know, five, four or five years ago, but you know. Yeah. Bishop's a guy that's uh, intriguing to me. I definitely worry uh, about his injury history, especially <laughs> being a, a bigger goalie They, you know, they, they tend to get hurt more frequently. So that that's definitely something to be wary of. And, and if I had to pick between the two, I'm probably going to pick Hudobin. And if I remember correctly, I believe he was in goal when they went to the cup two seasons ago. Yep. He was, he was a yeah. starter. Yeah, I was going to go with Bishop, but I mean, his body's literally just made of glass. So I, I definitely got to go with Hudobin on that. Plus, the cap hits a lot more unreasonable. Exactly. Like, I'd rather have a goalie that's, like, actually going to play than just to sit on the bench or sit up in the press box because he's injured. Because we need a goalie at some point. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think if it comes down to it, you're you're all in on Hudobin. But – Good, good eye, Scotty. That's actually – I'm surprised that they're going to roll with Jake Ottinger to start the year. But, like, you know, he, he he was decent for them last year, and I think that he's getting to a point where he's ready to take that next step, you know. But um, is there anything else that – Scotty, Peyton, anything else that you guys want to address? I feel like we got to talk about the Evander Kane situation. Yeah, we do. I was trying to avoid it, but, yeah. Um, go hide from this, Dougie. We got. I know. We, there, I, <laughs> all right. So, Evander Kane's wife came out and on Instagram and basically ousted Evander Kane for being of an extremely addictive gambler. Um, so much to the point that he's in so deep that he probably can't get out, which is a shame. Um, you know, we saw that pic of him in Vegas probably like 10 years ago now of him holding like a giant wad of cash. Now, now it all, I think it all makes sense to an extent. But um, yeah, this is crazy. Reports came out today that the um, Sharks players don't want him back in the locker room and that the um, Sharks are probably going to start exploring their options to either move Evander Kane or just move on from him altogether. So that's pretty interesting. Um, you know, it makes you wonder if, his career is over at this point, you know? This is one of those situations where I feel like it honestly could be, you know, we've seen a lot of, you know, gambling controversies in the past where players and or coaches just end up losing everything. It goes back even a century to when the, you know, the Black Sox had their scandal back in 1919 and all of a sudden all those guys were out of baseball. Even more recent, you had Pete Rose, who, you know, was banned for gambling. Granted, he wasn't banned against his teams like Evander Kane was. But at the same time, you know, these things have consequences. And it's going to be a very hard time for Evander Kane to try and, you know, find his way on a team because clearly he's not one in San Jose anymore. He's denied the allegations, but it doesn't seem like anyone else is buying it. I mean, I just – I was going off what his wife posted on her Instagram story, and I guess – I don't know if this is true or not, but I guess some of his teammates got him a book called Gambling for Dummies. I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me either if that was the case. You know, they're maybe they're trying to tell him, hey, you're not the best at the tables or whatever. But I, either way, it just seems like it's the easiest way to end a career. And I kind of understand why Dustin Bufflin didn't like Evander Kane whenever they were in Winnipeg together. Now it starts to make sense. I mean, someone posted that picture of uh, Bufflin giving Kane the fingers. He was walking past him in the runway one time. And now it's all starting out. I'm like, you know what? I kind of get why people didn't like this guy. Every team he has gone to, he's essentially burned the bridge after he's left. It's just what it's, I mean, it's just what it seems like. And I don't know what he needs in order to figure it out. I don't know if this is a situation that you can figure out because no matter, I, don't, I mean, I don't think the guy's talented enough to the point where it's like, okay, we can forgive a couple things here or there. It just doesn't seem like that to me. To me, it seems like this guy's a lost cause and, I don't see him being a fit on any team because who would want that guy on your team knowing that, Hey, he may have an addictive gambling personality and he might've been against our team tonight. He's, he's dogging it in the third period just so that way we don't score one more goal and he makes money because of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, 
I have a hard time seeing him fitting in anywhere else unless the team really desperately needs him. Yeah, he's like actually destroyed all of his credibility. Like I I think whoever signs him just they no one needs to sign him. His career needs to be over. This is what he deserves because that it's honestly disgusting that he's underplaying his potential just to make a few extra bucks. You're playing in the NHL. Like, you should be making millions, but we all know his his past, his bankruptcy past, but I just think it's absolutely disgusting, and I don't think he should get another chance at that. He's had plenty, and I think it's time to just part ways altogether. Yeah, I mean, regardless of, of whether the allegations about him betting on, on Sharks games are true or not, there's a very clear history here of this being a guy that other people don't want to be around, that they don't enjoy him. And, you know, he, he is a decent player, don't get me wrong, but, you know, at what point is enough is enough? So, you know, I'm, I'm sure some GM is probably going to end up taking a gamble on him and, and trying to overlook that, but, you know, People don't talk about the intangibles in a negative way either. And I, I think if there's ever a case of that, that's what you're looking at with Kane. Yeah. And I think that if a team were to take a chance on him, the easiest bet in the world is either the Blackhawks or the Canadians. Oh. Just with everything that's been going on Literally, recently. It, it's going to be the Blackhawks. It's going to be Imagine it. Like opening night, net, opening night this year, top line, Evander Kane with – Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. Ew. Oh, that. that causes me pain. But, uh, all right, guys, anything else that you got for Danny? All good. All right, guys. Well, Danny, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you being here. And you got anything interesting coming up that you want to plug or talk about? Uh, nothing coming up in the immediate future, although that, that – typically changes pretty quickly. I'll, I'll get a hanker in to, to pump something out and then it's, it's done pretty quickly. So I'm sure you guys will see something here in the near future. Um, but if you guys just want to keep up with any of the hockey work I'm doing, you can follow me on my Twitter. That's at Shiree Irving. Um, and other than that, I don't have anything else for you. I appreciate you guys having me on and I'd be happy to join you again anytime. Awesome. Sounds good, man. All right, guys, this was another episode of Four Checking TV. Follow us on Twitter at Forchecking TV. Subscribe to us on YouTube and look for us anywhere you can get your podcast from. All right, guys, thank you and good night.